All right, so today on The Seller Life, I have with me Matt Crossman. Now, Matt Crossman is a contributing writer for Success Magazine, which is pretty cool. A lot of us are like, man, wouldn't that be awesome if we were on Success Magazine? But he also writes in the world of sports. Uh, for instance, he writes a lot with NASCAR.com. But more importantly than all that, Matt has jumped out of an airplane. He's finished last place in a spelling bee. And he's even conned his way into a flyover before a NASCAR race. That'd be pretty cool. He's auditioned to be a mascot and failed miserably. So, Matt, thank you so much for being with us on The Seller Life. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. So, Matt, a lot of entrepreneurs listening look at a guy like you. You're on the inside. You, you write for success. You're, a, you're a, a very successful writer. I went on to mattcrossman.com and read all the success. He's won a lot of awards for his writing and he's gracious enough to just kind of share with, with me and my audience uh, here on The Seller Life, like what does it take to be a good writer and to actually get noticed um, in today's world? So maybe Matt, we can step back, we'll get to that question, but just kind of tell us a little bit about what it is you do and maybe um, some tips and tricks that you've learned along the way to become uh, the writer that you are. Yeah, I'm a, like you said, I'm a freelance writer and I uh, write for a, a handful of different places. Uh, I, I sort of think of them as silos that I have my, uh, my NASCAR silo, which is NASCAR.com. I have my business and personal development silo, which is success. I have a travel and adventure silo, uh, which is a magazine called Cowboys and Indians. And then I have uh, my sports silo, which is a little bit of NASCAR, a, a little bit of a, a, a season preview yearbooks like you'll see at the grocery store in the 2020 NFL season. Uh, I write for uh, one of those. And uh, I, I like it that way to be uh, broad rather than narrow, because if I only wrote, like, say, baseball or if I only wrote NASCAR, I would be bored out of my mind uh, within a year. And so that, that, that's important to me to be able to have a, a wide range of different interests. And, and really the, the, the secret to being a good writer is to start off as a bad writer and to write a whole bunch of bad stories. And then you write a whole bunch of not so bad stories. Then you write a couple of average stories. And then eventually uh, they will become, uh, hopefully, if I can say this, good stories. But yeah, I would, about 15 years ago, I was applying for a job for the first time that I hadn't applied in a long time. And I had been working in sports and it was a news job. Uh, so I went and looked at my old news clips and they were so bad they, I, that I, I, I sent them anyway. And I almost sent the editor a note that said, I'm sending these with great reluctance because I could see how terrible they are. And I, you know, I, I made it through the first phase. I never heard from them again. And it's, it's at least in part because, you know, he wanted stories from when I wasn't nearly as experienced as I was at that point. And now if I looked at stories from 15 years ago, I'm sure I would have the same reaction that, yeah, you, you don't start off as a good writer. You start off as a bad writer and work your way up. Right. And you even have a background, a journalism degree, right? I do. I do. I went to Central Michigan University. Uh, I, I consider myself very fortunate that uh, I wanted to become a journalist from, uh, f frankly, as as old, as soon as you are old enough that you can have a, a legitimate, you know, career profession that isn't, you know, shortstop for the Detroit Tigers or whatever. Uh, I wanted to be, uh, in 10th grade, I wrote a paper about wanting to be a sports writer. 
And wow. then I went to college and uh, as I got older, I, I became more interested in politics. So that, that was my career aspiration. I wanted to cover the White House. And so the first couple of years of my career, I, I covered politics, city hall, school board, like local state representative uh, races and stuff like that. Uh, life intervened. I, I, I moved to a new city, got a job at a sports magazine and became a sports writer instead. Uh, if somebody called now and said, hey, man, do you want to go cover the White House? Uh, this White House, uh, at the risk of turning this into a political conversation, the answer would be no. But in, under a different political climate, yeah, I would still, I would still like to, to try that. That's cool. So when it comes to the actual writing process, let's talk about that. Are you, are you asked by um, the magazine, like let's say success, do they reach out to you say, Hey, we'd like you to write an article on this. Or are you constantly thinking about angles and articles to submit? Um, how does that whole process work? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> the first, uh, it's much more, I come up with ideas and pitch them to publications then publications come to me, uh, although the publications do occasionally come to me. I like that way a lot better, yeah, frankly, yeah. because the idea, and anybody in marketing knows, the idea is really not, well, the idea, the, the first hard part is the idea. The second hard part is convincing somebody that that idea is good. And then the next hard part is convincing them that not only is that idea good, but that you're the one to execute it. So who are these people that you're trying to convince? Like what role in the organization are they, are they the editors? Uh, let me think about that for a second. Uh, not every, it's all, the person always has editor in the title. It's not always the editor in chief, but sometimes it is like uh, for success magazine. Uh, the first story I wrote was not the editor in chief. Uh, but since then, probably every story I've landed with them, I've pitched the editor-in-chief because I've established a relationship with him. Uh, just like in any other field, relationships are absolutely, positively the singular most important thing. So how, did, rather so, have, what's that? So how did that work? Talk to me about how you got into Success Magazine. Uh, well, the first idea uh, I had was to do a story on a bull rider. And the, the theme that I was going to write about was was toughness, that this guy had broken every bone in his body and kept doing it. And what can you learn? And, and also, on, on a side note, he's also this wild and crazy character, which would come out, but the theme was toughness. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a bull rider, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I pitched it to uh, a guy at Success Magazine who was a friend of a friend. And uh, he, I, they, they said, yes. I was frankly a little surprised, but I, that was one of, that was, I, I've learned that a lot of times if you pitch a story and an editor says, oh man, I really like that idea. I'm going to say no for this narrow reason. If you get, if you, do, if you get like a, a positive no, I call it an almost, that I keep pitching that idea because I figure I'm going to find somebody who doesn't have whatever barrier that this other publication had. Okay, so, so, so I'm going to stop you there. So help my listeners out. When you pitched your idea um was it in an email it, what did oh, you yeah. so what does how did you craft the email like do you do you give all the information because aren't you afraid they might steal it like what what's the best practice for that okay you know what i'm gonna see while i'm talking i'm gonna see if i can find the pitch and i'll read it to you okay uh <laughs> okay so what it, it's always 
an email, almost always an email, uh, just because, you know, in, in today's day and age, uh -huh. people just... You're not writing snail mail letters. <laughs> yeah, you, you're, you're certainly, gosh, no, I wouldn't send a snail mail letter. And also, they just don't have time for conversations. Sure. Occasionally, now, uh, with editors that I know really well, uh, I will... Uh, I will call them, but it's 95%, uh, it's 95% emails. And so what you do is you, you send a pitch that, uh, you know, sounds like the beginning of the story. Okay. Where, uh, Guys, this is good stuff. This is the juicy stuff. We're learning how a successful guy got on a success magazine. So let's listen so in. It, Here we go. So it, it, it's basically here. I'm looking for the pitch. It'll take me a second. Basically, you, you write the pitch uh, and you open it as if it's the opening of the story. Okay. That's called the lead of the story. And the lead of the story always happens. It has to be the best part. I always tell people, imagine... Uh, you had some great adventure or some really cool thing happened and you're at uh, at the bar with your friends telling them about it. Uh, you tell them the absolute best part first. That's just how it works. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's what I did with them. And uh, yeah, it'll take me a second. Uh, so I, I, I can't find it right this second, but but that's how you do it. You, you, you craft an email. It's, it's a selling document. Okay. And, and so you... In the, subject, in the subject line, what did you, do you remember what you put? You know what, that, that I'm sure, I, yeah, that was. Uh, to catch their eye? Yeah, yeah. So it's always, you know, the first word is always pitch and then colon. Uh, okay. Pitch. And then, then it's, and then it's something clever. Uh, uh, and then, so, yeah, let me have. I uh, sorry that I don't have this right here in front of me, but no, I no, no, this is. This oh, you know what I did? I called him the Dale Junior of professional bull riders. Mm. Okay, so here's here's the uh, here's the first line. Uh, JB Mooney is a beer drinking, foul mouth, un PC throwback to, well, not the good old days of professional bull riders because these are the good old days of the PBR. Mooney is Dale Earnhardt Junior and chaps at a cowboy hat, the khaki, the cocky smile having face of the ever-growing sport that has gotten so big it sold out three days at Madison Square Garden of all places early this year. Nice. Creates, so, uh, creates intrigue at the end there. And then I, you know, and then I went on from there and you asked about, you know, you know, people stealing the idea. I get asked that a lot. I'm going to answer that two ways. It's never happened to me. And, uh, but I do know of people that happening too. It's very rare. Uh, and I mean, the, so my, the first thing I would do is literally never talk to that person again. Cause that's, you know, that's the word is, you know, stealing is not a good thing now, but there's a difference though. Uh, let's say I pitched a profile of Dale Earnhardt Jr. to NASCAR.com and they end up running a profile of Dale Earnhardt Jr. at NASCAR.com. Well, it's kind of hard to say they stole that idea because that's kind of a common idea. Now, right. if, but if Success Magazine had run a profile of J.B. Mooney after I suggested it, yeah, I'd have been all kinds of pissed. Right. But that's that's so rare as to honestly, yes, it comes up a lot. It's so rare that I, I would say uh, it's not really a, a huge concern. So how do you, I, I'm not worried about that at all. So how do you come up with the ideas for 
um, submission to success in other places that you write for? That's a good question too. Uh, I have learned over the years, there, there's three keys to a pitch. <coughs> it's uh, who you, it's what's the idea? How are you going to present it? And to whom are you going to present it? Okay. okay those, are the, those are the three pillars. And I've learned that early in my freelance life, I was pretty good at the first two. I had good ideas and I could present it pretty well, but I wasn't doing a very good job of pitching it to the right people. And so what I've discovered is, as I said before, relationships are absolutely positively the single most important thing. I'd rather have a good idea and a friend to pitch it to than a great idea and a stranger to pitch it to. I've become <laughs> a little awesome. bit better. I become a little bit better at pitching to strangers, but because you're uh, you're sort of introducing yourself and saying, "Hey, I want to do this story." Now you've got two burdens. You've got to convince them that you know what you're doing and that this is a story that they should buy. It, it'd be easier for one of those things if they already knew they could trust you. And so, uh, I, I've sort of. Uh, so I, when I come up with an idea, uh, I try to think, filter it through my existing clients. So a perfect, a perfect example of that is I, I'm working on a story now. Uh, it's a series of stories for Success Magazine uh, about uh, the SAT for sports, which is basically the NFL combine uh, minus one of the drills. And uh, I am training to see, and I, I have a guy who has administered that test to 20,000 high schoolers. Wow. And so he knows basically uh, how good of an average, how good of an athlete an average high school student is. So I thought it would be funny to train to see if I could become, I'm 48 years old and I'm in reasonably good shape. Could I train to take the 40 yard dash, the long jump, the high jump, and two agility drills, could I score within the realm of an average high school athlete? Like, as an idea, that's pretty funny. That's right? great. You might be able to get people to read that. But where do you publish that? Right. Okay, I, I, in the age of coronavirus, you can't pitch a sports place because there's literally no sports going on and they have all these writers already who have nothing to do. They're not gonna buy a freelance story. That's just common sense. <laughs> But if I frame that as a business story, okay, what challenges am I going to face when I overcome it, when I, when I take this test, and how can I apply that to the business world? Well, that starts to sound like a success story. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, actually, that's not just kind of a good success story. That's a really good success story. And so I pitched it to them like a month ago, and I later on today, I'm going to turn in the third series in the diary. So that's something I really learned over the years. I would not have been able, five or six years ago, I would have had that idea. I would have pitched it to sports places. They all would have said no. I'd have, I would have said, ah, shit. And then I would move down to the next thing. But now I, I'm, a, I'm a little more flexible in how I think about like where I'm going to pitch something. Yeah, so you just pivoted your angle and thought of this not just yep. as a sports story, but as a business success story. That's really good. Um, so... Your pitch, is it the same thing? Or now that you have a relationship with the editor, is it just pitch colon and then the title and here's, here's where I'm is. going? Yeah, that's still the way I do it. Um, you know what? Let me think about that for a second. Yeah, with them, I still do that just because I know they get inundated with emails. I, you know, and I, I'm friends enough with them that I'll occasionally send them, you know, just, hey, how's it going? Are you quarantined type emails? Yep. But when it's a pitch, 
uh, I make sure to label it as such because they get enough emails that I don't want it to get lost. Okay, so let's talk about that because everyone um, that's listening is going, man, what's the point of even starting? They have a million people probably trying to write, become a writer for them. Why should I even start? So what would you say to that guy? Uh, honestly, I would say you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, there, there is some truth to that, especially now uh, in the last however many weeks since the coronavirus stuff started, uh, Southwest Airlines Magazine was one of my best clients last year. I wrote, I, I wrote uh, two cover stories and helped on a third. So I basically wrote three of their, helped on three of their 12 cover stories last year. They closed, they're gone. They, they don't exist anymore. Um, uh, lots of newspapers are either furloughing or laying people off. Magazines are furloughing and laying people off. Websites are furloughing and laying people off. Advertisers are not buying advertisements in those publications, which is causing the problem. Yep. And so that uh, means that there's a ton of other writers out there who are now competing with you for even less space than there was before. Mm -hmm. So uh, now is honestly, it's, it's, it's a really, really hard time to become a freelance writer. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Uh, it's just, you have to really <laughs> think uh, your pitches have to be dead nuts, solid on. You have to be providing something that isn't being provided elsewhere and you have to be the person to do it. That's and, always true, but it's more true now. And maybe it's a good time to like start with smaller publications and work your way up and build that arsenal so that when you're ready and things are back to normal, maybe they'll take a look at you. Yeah, you're going to have a hard time. If you've never written a sports story, do you think it's a good idea to pitch SI or ESPN? Right. It's probably not. I mean, yes, that, that does happen. And maybe you're a great writer, or have some particular insight. But if you're trying to break into the writing market, uh, you know, I, I think reasonable expectations would be, uh, you know, a, a piece of advice I would offer. So when it comes to the actual writing itself, Matt, like uh, what would separate you from maybe the average writer? What do you see a lot of amateur writers doing that you're like, no, like they don't get it. They're, this isn't good. What give me, give our listeners just a couple tips that you see. You're like, stop doing that. And you guys should do it this way. That's what makes a, a great story. Great. Yeah. I, well, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, you know, at, Active voice is obviously that's number one. What does that mean? Uh, that means, you know, uh, people do stuff as opposed to having stuff done to them. Uh, so can you give me an example of that? Like I swung at the ball as opposed to the ball was swung at by me. Okay. So, okay. So the, the subject is doing the action. So that's active voice. Yeah. Active voice. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's the first thing any uh, writing lesson that you take is, is going to say. And an editor is going to notice whether or not you're using active voice right away and be like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, depends on how charitable the editor is. But yeah, if, if your entire piece is in uh, the passive voice, I mean, it's going to sound weird to your ear anyway. Like um, I went, I went bull riding the other day and it was blah, blah, blah. Instead of I was on the bull and it right. was because now you take them there. You're in, you're, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm with him. Uh, okay. yeah, so active verbs, you know, be as descriptive as you can. Don't use cliches. Uh, that would be a big one. Um, and 
uh, I mean, other than that, it's just practice. You just have to do it. That's the, the, the way to become a good writer, is, as I said before, is to be a bad writer first and then become better. Yeah. Is there like a structure that you follow? Like if I go through all your articles, I'm like, ah, this is mad. I see him. Here's his intro. Here's his. So maybe talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, especially with, with my profiles, I've done a lot of profile writing. Uh, I would say that my stories follow uh, a, a fairly common structure. And that would be, uh, you know, rise, fall, redemption, and consummation in that order. Uh, and that would, you know, most movies follow that, that formula where you introduce the character uh, and then usually something uh, terrible happens to that character. Uh, and then that character uh, somehow overcomes that, uh, that bad something. And then, you know, the consummation would be lives happily ever, ever after. Now that's a, a very simplistic way to put it and happily ever after is, is an exaggeration. <laughs> but that's, you know, most movie, you know, every single romantic comedy you have ever seen, literally 100% of them follow that. If you look at... We're I mean, very simple, you know, us human beings, aren't we? We're very simple-minded. I mean, if you look at I me, mean, we just had Easter. That's literally the, the Easter story in four mm -hmm. words, rise, fall, redemption, and consummation. Yep. Uh, Lord of the Rings is is famous for that. Uh, so that's, that's a, a pretty tried and true storytelling formula. Um, and it's something about human nature that even though we know it's common, like we can't escape it. It's still yeah, intriguing to us. It's common because it's true and it's yeah. true because it's common. And uh, one of my freelance buddies and I have sort of a, a like running that. joke that when, when we were on staff and you had more time to work on a story, you might fiddle with the structure more. You might be more either aggressive or inventive or try things because you're getting, if it takes you a week to write it or two weeks to write it, you're getting paid. You'll, 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 you'll just, you know, you, you have as much time as you, not as much time as you want, but you have more time to write the story. When you're freelance, you get paid a set amount. And so if you write it in a week and you make a thousand dollars, you made a thousand dollars that week. If it takes you two weeks to write it, well, now you just cut your, uh, you cut your margin in half. Mm -hmm. And so chronological is never wrong. It's always correct. It's always easiest to read. And even if, even if maybe telling it non-chronologically would have been better, we both just default to chronological because it's the fastest and easiest way to tell a story. And so especially for beginners, if you're telling a narrative story, tell it chronological. Right. So as far as the actual business part of writing, um, is there still ways to make money being a writer in today's world? Money? Yes. A lot of money only if you're a superstar. Okay. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I, I do almost entirely, you know, straight journalism, uh, you know, for magazines and websites. Uh, a, a lot of people do, you know, straight journalism plus, you know, corporate writing or white papers or whatever. Uh, th yes, there, there's still money to be made uh, doing that. You know, people work for marketing agencies and write on the side or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's always been hard. And the last 15 or 20 years, the number of publications have gone uh, down 
and the amount of money that they pay has stayed the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you make the same amount of money now that you did 15 or 20 years ago. And, you know, that money just doesn't go as far. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It seems like the, there's different rankings of press and um, like at the top, you, I think of like Forbes and success and entrepreneur and Inc. Um, and Google seems to weigh those publications a lot higher than others. Um, and so is that, is that kind of true? Like oh, amongst, sure. amongst writers, you guys yeah. kind of know who the big dogs are and. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you're not going to make, if you write for GQ or Esquire, yeah, they're going to pay you more than the Detroit free press pays you that period full stop. There's no, right. there's no question about that, but also the standard of idea and the standard of writer to get in there is way, way higher. So right. uh, you know, with the prestige comes the money, but you have to earn that. Right. Um, what is next for you, Matt? What's one of the goals on your list that you just haven't accomplished yet? You're on your way to doing it, but like, what's a, what's a dream uh, thing for a writer like yourself? What would that look like? That's a good question. Um, Cause we all kind of have dreams no matter what age we are. We all are like, wouldn't it be something if we did this? And so I'm just curious from a writer's perspective, maybe what that would be like, what's a win for you? What would be like, Oh, if I could do this, it would be incredible. Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I get asked that a lot. And my answer to that, it, it kind of stinks. I, I don't know that I have some big, a lot of writers want to write books. My friends who write books all hate it. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I, I guess I aspire to that. But I also know, uh, I, I've been around long enough to know that whatever aspiration you set for yourself and meet, as soon as you get done with that, you just have another one. And so I, I kind of don't think of it that way. I, I had a story a couple of years ago uh, where uh, I pitched the golf magazine to pay me to, to spend an entire summer playing the same par three course near my house, trying to get my first hole in one. That is such, see, I love, that's a great story. Yeah, I, thank you. I, I was proud of that idea. And that's that's an example of an idea where I, I mentioned before, where if the no that you get is positive, you keep trying. Yeah. And so, so I did. You, could, I said, you could get that published in Golf Magazine. Like, there's so many people that would love that story of a guy who spent his whole summer trying to get a, a three. I would read that story and be like, I wonder, did he get it? Did he get it? What happened? Yeah. And, and so, I, so I sold that story. And, uh, you know, that was one where uh, I thought, well, there's not many people who would come up with that idea. Not many people who would, that's kind of a ballsy pitch. Hey, pay me to spend the whole summer trying to get a hole in one. And I did, I pitched it to Golf Digest. Uh, I ended up, you know, selling it to a magazine called Golfer's Journal. And, uh, you know, and I had an absolute blast working on it. Uh, but, But also then you get done with that story and you turn it in. And honestly, not very much changes. The story comes out, it runs, it feels great. And then you just got to go right back to work on the next one. So back to the grind. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that story is at my website. So that's cool. Well, this has been really, you know, insightful, I think. And it's just been real to talk with you and learn a little bit about this industry. 
So any last words for people that are wanting to be up and coming writers? Um, I know for entrepreneurs or influencers, I think that's one of, if, if you look at being an influencer as a big circle, a part of that pie shape is publications, articles, press, and that's one of the missing components that maybe a speaker who wants more speaking gigs, he should focus on that. Maybe writing an actual book um, is, is part of why he want, wants to do that. A, a business that wants to get press associated with you know, what they're doing and th their technology and their practices. So um, you're on the inside now. Um, and I think today learning some of the advice you give and, you know, sticking to rise, fall, redemption, consummation, uh, how to set up, how to write a pitch, um, you know, emailing the right people. Um, is there any other last words you might give our listeners um, how to be successful and how to actually get noticed as a writer? Yeah, I would say that it's, uh, when I went out on my own as a, as a freelance writer, and I say I went out on my own, but I actually got kicked. Uh, I thought uh, at the beginning that freelance writing was so unique as a profession that the only people who could help me uh, was other freelance writers. Mm. And I eventually learned I was so wrong about that that it's almost embarrassing to admit uh, that I ever thought it. And the reason that I say that is that what, whatever the character, characteristics that you have that make you successful in your particular field, which would be you know, diligence, perseverance, uh, trying and failing, you know, being gutsy, learning, those all apply. It's apples to apples. Writing is just the particular uh, avenue in which you will apply those skills. Now, the particular skills of writing, you know, that, that takes work. But the, the, the manner in which you become a, a good writer is the same manner in which you become a good baseball player, become a good marketer, become a good doctor, whatever. And so it's, you know, they, they're called soft skills. I don't particularly care for that phrase, but uh, the same soft skills that made you good and whatever else you're doing that makes you think, hey, if I, if I got some stuff published, this would help me in this other stuff. You're right. Apply those skills. Just apply it to writing. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I've, I've had to learn that myself as an entrepreneur and now as a business owner that, you know, you got to wear the hats of a lot of things. Same with you. Like you, you're, you're doing sales. You know, we call this podcast the seller life. Like there's sales involved in being a writer. Who would have thought you thought I was just going to be a writer? Nope. Now you're a sales guy. You know, you said you are so right about that. And I, I really, uh, I really struggled with that at the beginning, understanding that selling was the tool that I had to have. Yeah. I looked yeah. down my nose at it. I'm a writer. I don't need to sell. I was bull. I was so yeah. wrong about that. Of course I had to sell. Uh, and I, I had to learn. And that was, I, I'm still learning about that. I'm, I'm better at it now, <laughs> but uh, learning, learn, not only learning to sell, but being comfortable uh, selling myself, you know, some of it feels like vanity. Yeah. You know, it's of like, course. You, know, you know, Hey, you know, you know, getting people to trust you to, to go do these things, to, to pay you, to pay your expenses, to do all these different things. That, that feels like vanity. And you know, it, frankly, it, it is. Get over it. Deal with it. Because if you're yeah. selling widgets, it's the same thing. You know, if you're selling, you know, uh, you know, Henry Ford, to use a Michigan example, 100, 
20 whatever years ago, he had to get people to trust him that he could make a car that they wanted to drive. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing and you just, you just have to get comfortable with it. So, yeah. Well, man, this has been so good. I really appreciate your time, Matt. And I really um, look forward to reading some more of your stuff. So where can our listeners kind of check out your writings and uh, what you're doing? Yep. Uh, my, my best stories, the, the ones I would most want people to read are at mattcrossman.com. Okay. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty active on Facebook. I, I post all of my stories on my professional Facebook page, post a lot of them on LinkedIn. I, I don't do Twitter mostly because I think it's Frankly, it's just bad for America. It's a, it's a bad, <laughs> Twitter's place. bad for America. There you go. There's an article. There's it's an article. Darkness and right, misery. Right. So I just choose not to participate. Uh, right. but you are not alone. Okay, well, cool. Thank you so much for your time and, you know, happy rest of your quarantine. And uh, if, if people have any questions for you, is there a way that they could reach out to you, Matt? Yeah, yeah, they could they could email me. It's my first initial last name, so mcrossman98 at gmail.com. And I'm always uh I, I, I frankly think that's part of part of my job and part of just being grateful that I've gotten to do it. That if people wanna uh ask me writing questions, I'm more than happy to answer them. I mean you you emailed me out of the blue what yesterday and here we are talking. I love so it. uh I, I consider that, you know. A little bit of, of giving back for the the ways that i've been blessed in my career so. cool all right well thank you so much yep thanks for having me on